Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word before us. Lord, we thank you that you, the God who made all things, does indeed speak to sinful man. And so, Lord, we pray that we may have ears to listen this morning, and we pray that we may understand what you have said about your Son. And, Lord, we pray that this may give us confidence to put our trust in him and to serve him with all that we are. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think we recognise that details about our birth are important. It helps prove that you exist if you can give the time and the circumstances by which you came into the world. And so if you don't have a birth certificate to give many of those details, it is indeed difficult to prove that you exist. And at the moment, I'm not quite sure if my wife exists for that reason. Somehow, uh, it has come to our attention that we do not have her birth certificate. We do not have an extract of it. We do not have her actual birth certificate. And why that is the case, I am not entirely sure. Uh, Jill says that it is because I have taken it over to the office and then subsequently lost it. And I say that it was uh, I never actually received it in the first place. And so at the moment, we have no way of verifying Jill's existence other than looking at her over there in the pew right now and seeing that she is there. Although, of course, they do accept other forms of identity. But the birth certificate is the big one, isn't it? Because the birth certificate verifies a number of details that can then be checked to see whether someone was born. It gives you that time, gives you the location, gives you different witnesses that were there at the time of your birth. And this morning we're going to be considering the birth of Jesus. Christmas is coming and so we're having a special Christmas lunch today and a special Christmas service as a result. But how do you know that Jesus was actually born? That his birth is not simply a fairy tale? We hear it at different points in the year and particularly at the time of Christmas and I'm sure many people hear the narrative about Christ's birth and yet consider it to be a fairy tale. Why is that? Well, you might say, well, we don't have a birth certificate for Jesus. We can't prove that he really was born because we don't have a birth certificate for him. But we can look at what data there is available to us, what information is available to us that is given in the pages of the Bible which helps us verify whether Jesus really was born. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, the birth of Jesus and whether we can verify his birth at all. And so my first main point this morning is that Jesus was born at a real time. If you want to follow my main points, they're listed there on the back of the church bulletin and so you can follow along. And the first is that Jesus was born at a real time. He really did come at a time in our history. And we can see this in the passage that we're looking at this morning in Luke chapter 2. The time that Jesus was born is told for us by the author of Luke, who is Luke. And he tells us that in chapter 2, verse 1, where we read, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. And this sets up for us the time of Jesus' birth. As we recognise with our own births that the time is important. And that is listed on our, certificate, our birth certificates as well. 
So if you were to look at my birth certificate, you would see that I was born on the 14th of January, 1980, which if you do the math means I'm going to be 35 next month. We know that establishing the time is important. And we see this with Jesus. Here on page 1014 of your Black Church Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we see a number of time details are given for us for Jesus' birth. We see that Caesar Augustus is in power of the Roman world. So that gives you a specific time frame because we know when Caesar Augustus began to reign and when he ceased to reign. What else do we know? Well, we know that Jesus was born at the time of a census that Caesar issued across the entire Roman world. Not a little census of his own little area, across the entire Roman world, which is a verifiable fact as well, because of course that creates great disruption and great administration, needs some, lots of red tape needs to be happening, and so there's lots of records about such an event. And also we see that this is a census when someone else was governing at that time. What does it say there for us in verse 2? It says this was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. So Caesar Augustus is in power of the Roman world, but then we see Quirinus is also governor of Syria. And so then you can correlate, okay, we're narrowing it down, and we also recognize that this is the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. So there were multiple census that were taken, but here we see that it's at a particular, it's the first one that was taken while this guy, Quirinus, was governor of Syria. And also we see that this is a census that required everyone to go to their own town. It says that there for us in verse 3. And everyone went to his own town to register. This is not an ordinary census, like when we do a census with the Australian Bureau of Statistics and they send it to you and you can stay at your house and you don't have to go back to your hometown. Imagine that. Think about where you were born. Think about travelling back just to do a census form. Uh, that would be a real pain. But here we see this is the case, and so we can. People would remember this. If you had to go back to your hometown to fill in a census form, you would remember it, and you would know what time that was. And so we see here that this is a major time that is happening in the Roman world and easily verified when Jesus was born. And so we see that three different rulers, one major event, help pinpoint Christ's birth. It is fiction to say that we can't establish when Jesus was born. We can easily establish when Jesus was born. So Jesus was born at a particular time. But how else can we know that Jesus was in fact born? That he did really exist? That he did come into this world? Well, that brings me to my second main point. Jesus was born in a real world. He was born in an actual world, our world. And we know that establishing the place of birth is important as well. Just as on my birth certificate, it says that I was born in Charters Towers Hospital, Charters Towers. Now, many of you are probably going, where is Charters Towers? Um, Charters Towers is a little mining community in Queensland, if you are ignorant of that fact. And I only know about it because, of course, that's where I was born. I have no recollection of it whatsoever. I've never been back. But apparently there's this little town called Charters Towers in Queensland. And that is where I was born. What about Jesus? Where was he born? Well, the Bible tells us where he was born. It gives us a number of details of where he was born. 
Firstly, we see that he was born in Bethlehem. That's in verse 4 of Luke chapter 2. Verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem. And in case there's other Bethlehems out there, Luke tells us which Bethlehem. Which Bethlehem is it? Bethlehem, uh, the town of David. Oh, he goes, so Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. So it's established what town it is. It's established the state that it's in, basically, Judea. And it's also established that it's the Bethlehem where, remember that great king that we all look up to and we all know where he was born? David. Same town. That's where Jesus was born. So we can see that Jesus was clearly born at a particular time. He was clearly born at a particular place. What else can we do to establish that Jesus was born? Well, we can see that Jesus was born near real people. And that's my third main point. Jesus was born near real people. Establishing who someone's parents were and any witnesses that may have been there is important and included on birth certificates as well. So it's not just got your name on a birth certificate, it has other people's names listed there as well. For example, on my birth certificate, it has my mum listed, Margot Radford, born in Bangor, Midlothian, which is in Scotland, if you are unaware of Scotland territory. And it has my dad listed, Thomas Arthur Radford of Herberton. Does anyone know where Herberton is? It's another little country town in Queensland. Herberton in Queensland. It lists their name and it also lists on my birth certificate where they were born. So you can establish who that particular person is by their birthplace as well. And it also has a registrar listed, H.W. Tesh. Nothing about his birthplace or her birthplace. I shouldn't, I shouldn't presume it is a male doctor that was there. But there's this registrar who is listed there on the birth certificate as well as someone else that witnessed that I was born. But what about Jesus? Was there anyone around to verify, certify that Jesus was born? Any witnesses there? Well, Jesus was born with his adoptive father Joseph present. And we see that in verse 4 and following. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. So here we see at least one witness. Who's that? The adoptive father, Joseph. Who's Joseph? His birthplace is listed. Just like my birthplace is listed on my birth certificate. And like my parents, they're the witnesses. Their birthplaces are actually listed on my birth certificate today. So it's an old tradition you can see that you want to know of a father, you whether they really were there of a witness, you find out their name but also where they were born. And that's actually given to us here. He was born in Bethlehem. That's his hometown where he was born. And that detail is given to us. And also, who else is present at Jesus' birth to witness it? Of course, his mum. It's a bit hard not to witness it. 
um, if you're the one giving birth, and she witnesses that he came into the world. Who's she? Well, we're not given this nameless woman in the scriptures. No, we're told it's Mary. And who is Mary? Well, she's married to Joseph. And who's Joseph? Oh, he's the guy born in Bethlehem. And who's also, we have his genealogy. We're at least told that he is a descendant of David. He belonged to the house and line of David. And that is actually given to us in Luke chapter 3 as well. There's a whole genealogy given. If you just flip a page over to page 1017 of your Black Church Bibles, you can see there that there's this genealogy given of Joseph that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And it proves who he is. You can verify who Joseph is. And that's not a waste of scripture. That's important information that is given to us for a number of different reasons. And one reason is it just verifies who Joseph is, who this witness is to Jesus' birth. Was there anyone else who witnessed Jesus' birth besides the adoptive father and his mum? Well, in verses that we didn't read, but follow immediately after, we see a, a bunch of people show up. Now, they may not be people that you would think are very good witnesses because they're just shepherds, but that's who they are. In verse 8 and following, we read about shepherds being told by angels to go and see this baby who's in a manger. And they go and they see this baby and they can then verify that Jesus was indeed born. So Jesus was born at a particular time, a particular place, and with particular people nearby. But why is it important then to establish that Jesus was born at a particular time, a particular place, and with particular people nearby? Well, if those things are true, then that proves to us that Jesus was born in real history, in our history. And that is my fourth main point. Jesus was born in real history. These facts demonstrate that Jesus was born in history. He is no fairy tale. The Bible is not fiction. It is non-fiction. It is telling us history, despite what other people might tell you. I actually um, read a, uh, a blog. If you don't know what a blog is, it's an internet website with articles that come on a regular basis about technology. Um, it's actually called Life Hacker, which makes it sound evil. But basically, they a lot of it's about technology and how to uh, hack your life, which means how to make your life easier. And from time to time, there's religious things will pop up in some way. And I, whenever they show up, I always like to read the comments of people to those articles. And recently I was reading one and it was about what are you allowed and not allowed to take from hotel rooms. And so there was a hotel manager giving you information on what was permitted. And one of the things that he said is permitted to take, which a lot of people wouldn't think is the case, is the Gideon's Bible that's in the drawer next to you and that the Gideons actually like you to take those Bibles with you. If you will read it, they want you to take it. And I then scrolled down to the comments and, of course, uh, someone said, I would rather hotel rooms put a piece of fiction I would like to read in the hotel drawers than a piece of fiction I don't want to read. And my question to that person, if I was to respond in the comments, which I never do, I used to when I was younger, but I've realised that commenting on the internet and debating on forums is just pretty much a waste of time, that you don't really convince anyone and you just make people angry. My question to that person would be, in what way does the Bible purport to be fiction? Has the person actually read 
the Bible, and particularly read passages like Luke chapter 2, which clearly are showing that this is non-fiction material. This is showing that Jesus really did exist. This is a historical document, not a fictional document. And why do we think this? Because we can check these facts. These facts are given to us for us to check and it would have been able for people to check them very easily in the time that Luke was published. We, we think that Luke was probably published in the early 60s, which is about 60 years after the time of Jesus, which means that people would still be able to remember themselves or have parents who could tell them about many of these facts, about who was in charge at the time, both in the Roman world as a whole and then in Syria, and the census that was conducted, and then people can check the facts of whether there is a Bethlehem or is that place just made up, is it a Bethlehem in Judea, and whether Joseph existed, whether Mary existed. You could actually meet some people who had met them and check, did this really happen? And so the Bible was published so that people could check those things out at those times. And instead of it being discounted as rubbish, as fiction, there's no place called Bethlehem, there's no person called Joseph, there was no Roman emperor called Caesar Augustus. If that was the case, if this was fiction, it would never have continued to be copied and delivered to people all around the Roman world. They would have discarded it, just as we discard pieces of non-fiction that aren't really non-fiction. We can see quite clearly that they're fiction by the way that things are made up. And we don't see them getting published. Or if they are, they don't get printed very much because people just don't purchase the material. Some critics will come along and say, well, this is rubbish. Don't buy it. And so it just ceases to exist because everybody knows it's rubbish. But here we see the Bible purporting itself to be a historical document and it continued to gain acceptance at the time when people could have verified these facts. And we should recognise that that is what Luke intended to happen. Luke knew he was writing history. And that's what he says for us at the beginning of Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 1. Turn with me back to page 1012 of your Black Church Bibles and tell me, well... That's a rhetorical device. You can tell me afterwards whether you think Luke is thinking that he is writing non-fiction or fiction. What does he say in verse 1 of Luke chapter 1? Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. What is he doing? Well, he's looking at other records that people have done, others have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have uh, been fulfilled among us. He's checked with eyewitnesses, it says there in verse 2. He says he's done a careful investigation in verse 3. He says he's done a careful investigation from the beginning. It wasn't like he jumped in late. He's gone right back as far as he could and worked things out. 
He's tried to write an orderly account, which is always nice. We don't like this orderly accounts. They are very difficult to read, but he's tried to write an orderly one for us. And why has he done this? Verse 4, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught, that you may be certain that this is true. But why is it important to recognize that Jesus is a historical figure, that Jesus was born? Well, that's because Jesus tells us to trust in him for the payment for our sins. Jesus is like no other person. He has not come along just like an ordinary person and has no real impact upon our lives whether they are born or not born. That's why you aren't all getting very upset that we've lost Jill's birth certificate. To you, it's not going to make a great impact upon you if Jill exists or not exists. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But whether we can prove her existence or not. But if we can't prove Jesus' existence, then we should not be trusting in him for the salvation of our souls. Why would you trust in someone to take away your sins before God if you can't prove that he actually existed. And so if we can't prove the birth of Christ, then we may as well give up. It's going to be hard to prove that he also died, that he also rose again, if we can't verify his actual existence. But the Bible does tell us that we can verify, that we can investigate Jesus' birth, but not only that, also his death and his resurrection, that he really did come back to life. And that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Jesus died and rose at a real time, a real place, and near real people. Now this may sound like I'm getting into an Easter sermon now. And if you want to get more details about this, come back at Easter. But for now, I have to make this point that it's not just Jesus' birth that can be verified. It's also his death and his resurrection. They happened at particular times and particular places around particular people who could witness those things as well. When did Jesus die and, be, and was raised to life? Well, Luke tells us. Luke chapter 3 tells us the time. Once again, you've got to love Luke as a historian. It just gives you so many verifiable details. Luke chapter 3, verse 1, page 1016 of your Black Church Bibles. When did Jesus do his earthly ministry and then die and was raised to life? It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. See that? You've got a ruler and you've got the 15th year. When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, another politician. Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, a third politician. His brother Philip, Tetrarch of Ituria and Trachonitis, a fourth politician. And Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, a fifth politician. During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas. You've got two high priests there as well. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. And that's John the Baptist, who then is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which goes on for a few years, and then Jesus dies and is raised to life. We know when it happened. Quite clearly, you've got all these politicians who we can verify from secular sources as to what the time was. What about a particular place? Well, the Bible tells us quite clearly that it happened in Jerusalem, and it tells us even what hill it happened on that Jesus was crucified. And if you go to Jerusalem today, they actually think they have the spot where the cross was put in. 
Now, I can't tell you that that's necessarily true, but it's a much better guess than that he was crucified here in Sydney, Australia. We can establish where he died. And people believe we have his tomb as well because it was nearby. And so you can go today and you can see where they think they put Jesus' body, even the slab where they put it out on. So we know the particular time, particular place for his death and resurrection. Were there particular people that witnessed it? Yes. That's what this book is all about, the New Testament. It's about the witnesses testifying to the fact that they saw Jesus die and come back to life. Now, they didn't all witness everything, but you put them all together and you get a credible testimony from a number of different people that Jesus died and that Jesus came back to life. And so if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to look at the facts of Jesus' life and examine them. Be a Luke. What does Luke say? He carefully investigated everything everything from the beginning. That's what I encourage you to do. Carefully investigate everything from the beginning because this has great impact upon your life. This will decide whether you go to heaven or hell for your sins because Jesus is like no one else. He is the saviour that we long for to save us from our sins. And it is not as though he is a fairy tale and we can't be quite sure if he is true. The Bible gives us more than enough evidence to establish that what it is telling us about him is indeed true. And so read the Bible. Read Luke's Gospel. It's one of the great accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection and gives us lots of evidence for it. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, then go to a hotel and steal one. No, um, I can give you one today. I can give you a copy even of Luke's Gospel on its own. This little book, The Essential Jesus, is a modern translation of Luke's Gospel and has little footnotes. So if you don't know what a manger is, it footnotes it to tell you what it is and other words like that. And it is a really helpful account. Then It's a really helpful little book giving us Luke's Gospel so that you can read it and investigate it. Don't take my word for the fact that Jesus was born, died and was raised to life. I'm 2,000 years on from the fact. Take someone who was 60 years on from the fact and spoke to people who were eyewitnesses of those facts. And at the back of it, it also gives you a nice little account why Jesus is essential and what the Bible is all about. And I encourage you to read that if you don't really understand what the Bible is all about. And get a copy of the full Bible and start reading that too. And if you want a copy of the full Bible, I can give you that as well. But I've got stacks of these ones to give away at the door if you would like to read Luke's account of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Investigate it. And then when, if you carefully investigate that, you see that it is true, then commit your life to Christ. Have him be the saviour of your sins. He is a real person. He can really save you. He can really give you heaven for eternity if you will trust that he died for you. And if you are a Christian, continue to remind yourself that Jesus is real, that he really did come into this world in real history 
And he is worthy of your service. He is worthy of your trust for salvation and worthy of you doing whatever you can in this world to honour him. He is a real person and he really cares what you do. Remember that. Read the Bible not just as a piece of inspirational literature, but it, uh, not to say that it's not inspiring, but read it as fiction as well. Because that reinforces the reality of what it teaches and then gives you motivation to do real things in this real world that Jesus really cares about. Let's speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is non-fiction, that it is truth, that it is history, and that it tells us that Jesus really did come into this world, that he came at a real time, he came at a real place, he came near real people, and we can verify many of these facts. And Lord, we thank you that it also tells us that he died at a real time, and he was raised at a real time as well. And we can verify those facts and see that there is life after death as we look at the resurrection of Christ. Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning who's not a Christian. We pray that they may examine these truths. And Lord, we pray that you may bring them to the understanding that Jesus is the real saviour of the world. And he can save them from their sins if they will simply trust in him. So Lord, we pray that all the people in this room may be granted salvation. May you give them faith to believe that Christ is the Saviour. And Lord, we pray that the Christians present this morning, we pray that we may continue to love the fact that we are following a real Saviour who really came and really cares for us. And so may we do real things, real loves of and real acts of love in this world to honour him as he deserves to be honoured. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.